Well, Steve, thanks so much for joining us today on the on the Happy and Single podcast. Yeah, this happens yeah, to be, I think. Oh yeah, dude. We're so so glad to have you. And so I mean, when I first met you, it was at the singles conference where where you were. I mean, you went up there and you made you made a lot of people laugh, dude. It was really funny. And and even just yesterday, I spent some time listening to your album again on Spotify. And you've got some great stuff in there, man. I I like the stuff you did there about the names and how Utah people especially spell their kids' names really, really strangely. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I didn't even know that would end up anywhere. I, I recorded that for what I thought was just a uh, the live audience, just because the live audience was in Utah. And then they ended up putting it on Spotify. I was like, oh, shoot. I don't know that I planned on that being a bit, but sure, whatever, you know. Because uh, I, I try to always interact with, you know, when it's a live audience i try to do the show to them and and whatnot but uh but it was to uh an audience after the fact as well which is different and steve i just want you to take a few moments and just kind of introduce the audience to yourself you know for anyone that doesn't know you what what you want them to know about you and Uh, kind of a little bit about your journey uh well i'm steve solberg and i'm a stand-up comedian and uh, i um i guess before COVID, i traveled around the country to comedy clubs and and uh colleges and just did that route um from 2018 like the fall of 2018 to the end of 2019 i'd hit about 67 i, I guess 67 different cities um so a lot a lot of traveling a lot of just on the road stuff um because one thing that i'll get a lot of from people is because they they haven't heard of me and i get it it's totally fine you don't have to know who the heck i am and uh and that's that's sometimes how it is um but i'm working on it i'm working on trying to get my name out there a little bit more but a lot of people go oh you're like a local comedian and i'm like i guess local to the u.s you know um because because it's a local comedian really you're not going to make enough money to be able to survive so you really do have to hit the road and travel and try to get as many little uh new places as possible and uh during 2020 i don't know i'm going on too long about nothing that matters i'm rambling but yeah no, you're good man keep going keep going I jo- i'm enjoying it i love people's stories yeah i mean it, it i guess it's how everybody's story is, is right now because it feels like we all had a certain narrative for our life and the way that things were going and then uh the uh, pandemic rerouted everybody's narrative um so during the pandemic i did like a lot of zoom shows and and virtual stuff like that. Um, it's funny because normally we were talking with Joseph before. Normally, uh, when I do Zoom shows, I have my home studio and everything set up and my nice camera. Today we're on my cell phone in an office because we're shooting a, a, a little advertisement for an upcoming dry bar app. So they're going to have a streaming service. So if you're watching it, yeah, and you want to get the streaming service, find my commercial and use my promo code or whatever, because uh, we're going to do that. But 
in fact, these are everybody's like, they have like 250 different comics. These are their hard tapes. I'm not allowed to touch, but I can sit next to them. I don't even know if I'm allowed to sit next to them, to be honest, but I'm in the quiet area because they're shooting out there and they were like, quiet on the set. So I tried to find a space that was uh, private. Anyways, I'm yammering again, though, Joseph. What what's uh, <laughs> what should you know, we? Talk I, about? I love. I mean, you know what I'm what I'm hearing. That actually, the really cool thing you said about COVID, kind of really making people take that um, different road, like different path. You know, I heard uh, there was a a sister missionary of our faith talking. And she she was sharing how we didn't sign up for this, like especially missionaries serving right now that have to be, you know, out and like, you know, just teaching from a house like that was very different than most people's experience in the church. And and she's like, no, we did sign up for this. We actually knew what we were signing up for. And, and I thought that was really interesting because I think when we understand what we signed up for. It really shifts the way we think about it. Like people spend so much time of their life saying, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up for, you know, whatever challenge that they're facing in their life. However, if they stop focusing on how much they didn't agree to this and they didn't sign up for this, then they can actually focus on the solution to whatever they're going through, as opposed to like, you know, worrying and arguing all the time with their own head. It's like, I can't do this because I didn't sign up for this. It's like, no, you did because you're here and that's what you're going through. <laughs> In a much more broad sense, you absolutely signed up for all of it. And yet you don't. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. The, I didn't sign up for this phrase is one of those phrases that probably should get axed from our vocabulary. Uh, just because it's like we we have so many weird phrases that we love to use where it's like that's not true like the popular phrases of the day like the, that I'm trying to think of one another that I, I try to get rid of I can only think of church ones uh, and I, I maybe that's okay one of my my mom pointed this out when I was a kid um, because you would see this on people's like they'd have like a wood plaque in their house and it would be like, I never said it would be easy. I only said it would be worth it. And it's like supposed to be Jesus saying that. And we're supposed to take heart and be like, oh, yeah. Um, she goes, that's uh, false. Um, in the scriptures, uh, I remember somebody saying, take my yoke upon you for my burden is easy and my yoke is light. She's like, who was that? <laughs> I was like, Jesus. And, you know, and it's like, so he did say it would be easy. She said she didn't, he didn't say it wouldn't be work. I mean, taking a yoke upon you is still work, but it's easier work than the option of uh, the kick against the pricks type option. Like, I, I think we forget that sometimes that it's like the, the straight and narrow path is actually easier than the alternative. And I think we love to, to make ourselves look like we're uh, 
doing the tough thing. And like, sure, it's not easy being a member of the church, but there is aspects of it that should actually make our lives easier. And, uh, and like more sustainable, I guess, like less burned out and stuff like that. Um, you know, and I don't mean to, I know there's people hearing this and, and in my head, as I say this, there's people who are like getting triggered and going, I disagree, you know, and, so, and that's fine. You can disagree too. But I, I do think that what we view as, as membership or, or as being somebody who says, I'm going to follow Christ. I don't think we always have to pretend that it's super hard. I think there's times when we need to be able to say, it's joyful. It brings me happiness. It makes my life better. And I, I prefer to dwell in that aspect of it and think about that aspect of it than think about the sort of drudgery of it, you know? And I, and I like that, that sister's attitude of being like, we did sign up for this. So let's, let's do it. Let's make it happen. You know, let's get to work. Uh, yeah, because it seems like we have this tendency to to be very like. I I know a lot of people who get critic who get critical of people who say they're victims and stuff like that. This is a popular talking point right now where they're like, "Oh, everybody plays the victim card," and it's like, "Yeah, but is it much more different when we go? My life is so hard. I'm so busy. I'm so X Y Z. All these things, all those excuses. I'm like, yeah, but you're doing the same thing." you're you're also playing a victim card um i don't know i didn't mean to talk about that that sounds like i'm getting almost political i am not no i don't hear i don't hear political of that man i mean to be honest what i what i really picked up on and there were a few things that you said one is we all pick our own well the the thing you said before that of yeah, the kicking against the pricks. Oh, yeah, yeah. In a very real sense, what I've seen in my life is the fact of we really do. We have this. So for the members of my faith, I call it, you know, we have the spirit. And for the people that aren't of my faith, I call it the inner voice that really does lead and guide our lives. In the most real way that we could ever begin to imagine. And when I listen to that, oh my goodness, like amazing things come out of that. Well, I mean, and this interview is even a small example of that because we don't even realize it. It's like one day I just happened to turn on Sirius XM and I've got all kinds of different ways that I listen to stuff. So it's just one of those. And you happen to be on there. And I'm like, wait a second. I met this guy. <laughs> I met this guy at a singles conference and he was actually pretty funny. Like, you know, and it was like, well, I wonder if he'd jump on and do a and do a podcast. And it was simply just that. But then, you know, and then the thought comes up in your head, it's like, no, he's a famous comedian. He's not gonna do it for you. And it's <laughs> like and, and it's like, okay, cool. So I call that crazy our crazy leprechaun voice. And it's like, okay, well, there's going to be that thought. And like, we have all these thoughts that go through our head regardless. But at the end of the day, it's not a big ask. It's not a big request. 
No. It's a simple message that takes less than five minutes to send. You know, it's like, so we get, so we ask God for the things that we want in our lives. And then he tells us what to do. He's like, do this. And we're like, yeah, that's not going to work. It's like we tell it, we ask our GPS the direction to New York City. And it says, okay, take this road. We're like, yeah, that's not happening. (laughs) And then God's like, all right, well, if you don't want to follow, then I can't get you where you want to go. But whenever you're ready, you can jump on board. <laughs> hey, yeah, there does seem to be a great deal of patience yeah. uh, with that. Well, hold on one second. I just realized. Yeah, you're good. I'm in an office that I. So if, if you guys have seen those uh, videos, the reels and stuff where they just change costumes sporadically, we just change locations. So no big deal. Just switched. Yeah. <laughs> we just switched the around. background. No, he's Steve's on a live set, so he's sometimes going to have to move around a little bit. But you we, know, they so, were working where we the ch- spot that I had chosen, so they said, "Please move." They didn't. <laughs> they didn't even say, "Please move." They just were nice. But this is cool. New room with piping on the ceiling. Anyways, so. Yeah, we were, we were talking about how we really do, like we feel guided and led, you know, and at least for myself, like once I understood, well, I think in the church, especially one of the biggest misunderstandings is that people have to be married in order to be happy. It's like the most recent oh, yeah. giant conference that, that our church did. They finally came out and said, hey, guys, we just want you to know you're just like everybody else. The majority of the adults in our church are now single, widowed, divorced, etc. And it was like that's just where we're at. And when we accept that and we just say, okay, cool, this is where I'm at, I think we can do a lot more. Like, you know, one of the things that I was actually, I, I want to ask you, like, what has been so what has helped you find the most joy and happiness? being a single in a very family-centered faith? Sure. Um, you know, it's funny because it always, um, I, for some reason, I'm like being real careful about what I'm saying. I don't know why. I think it's because it always, being anxiously engaged seems to be, a critical part of it that when you're working and doing and feeling like you're part of something i think that really really helps i think some of that is why it can be difficult because family does that family makes you feel like you're a part of something and you're growing something and you're you're establishing like this legacy and so realizing in other ways that you are doing that still as a single, I think is also uh, critical for your life. Um, At least for me, it helps me to feel like I'm leaving a legacy, I guess, of like, like in my career, I want to make people laugh. I want to make people happy. I want to make people, when they look back on something, feel light and feel like 
like I want them to be able to look back on a show or whatever and remember something and, and laugh because I think laughter is so like magical that uh, it takes pain away. It takes like hurt away. It, it infuses us with happy hormones, like all the things. Um, and so I'm like, yeah, laughter, use that as much as you can. So I think being a part of something has been really big for me. Um, also creating uh, is important. So I try to, um, like when I'm writing or when I'm on doing a show, I want to, to be creative and try to come up with something new and stuff like that. Um, but that being said, also even just being creative in, in daily life, um, little projects. I think I like to keep myself busy with little goofy projects to, uh, to keep me, I don't know, to keep me happy. I do get, uh, I guess I maybe have a, a little bit of ADHD. I think everybody does. Maybe not, but but more and more people are finding themselves a little bit like having those tendencies. So I do kind of switch what I'm doing a lot throughout the day. Um, I make lamps is kind of a weird side gig that I've started doing um, out of just like stuff that I find on hikes, different pieces of wood. When I was doing that traveling, as we were talking about before, I used to love to go to antique shops. And so anytime I was traveling, I, I would always hit antique shops in the local areas where I was at, um, which if you're an antiquer, Missouri, I don't know why Missouri has so many antique shops. It's crazy. Uh, there's like on Saturdays in the summer, downtown, uh, is it Kansas City downtown? It just had the most insane antique thing that I've ever seen in my life. Buildings, like multiple buildings downtown. Anyways, I'm getting sidetracked, but but uh, but yeah, I would do uh, I would build lamps out of antiques. Now that I'm not going to antique stores, I've started making them out of like logs that I find when I go hiking. Uh, just different uh, logs that I'm like, oh, I could make a lamp out of that. So that makes me happy because it's just fun to create something and uh, fun to stay busy. My mom, I'm going to maybe quote my mom a lot when I quoted my mom earlier about the, the he never said it, he did say it would be easy, et cetera. Um, one thing that my mom said was that she's like, uh, well, boring people get, get bored. <laughs> and uh, at least. I think she said that. I've heard many other people say that as well. And I, I do agree with it. When you start to go, I'm bored or I'm whatever. It's like, well, fix it. It's on you, man. Don't get bored. And so, uh, so hopefully I don't get bored. But yeah, that's a I, longer I have answer to, than needed. I have to tell you something for a simple question. I have to tell you something. Yeah. Like I've... For whatever reason, lately I've been watching Pawn Stars. Like, just these. Mm. I have YouTube TV, so it has an infinite DVR, which is slightly dangerous. So it's got like all yeah. 10 seasons or whatever recorded on there. And uh, I don't know, there, there's something really cool about seeing stuff be restored. Like, there just is. There's just something about that. And, and you know, not knowing what you're going to find and, and stuff like that. But, 
you know, the thing that really caught my attention about what you were saying is you've got to find purpose. Like you've got to find some way to make your life joyful. Sitting around being so being upset that you're single is actually going to make people go away from you. Whereas when somebody's doing all the really cool creative stuff that you're doing that you're engaged in, life's going to be a lot better. It's like I'm going to do an entire podcast on this here in the next few weeks, but something that really that was taught to me by somebody just randomly yesterday was there's a scripture in Doctrine and Covenants. It's uh, 51. Uh, I don't remember which scripture, but it basically the gist of it is the people that were in Kirtland, they were told, hey, act as if you're going to be here for a while. And I think so often we pretend that we're going to be in this space of being single for not very long at all. It's like, no, I'm, I'm just passing through, man. You know, and everybody else is kind of doing their thing, building their crops, and we're kind of just hopping couch to couch to couch. No, this isn't my place. <laughs> this isn't my place. I don't want to be here. I don't want to know you. I don't want to be one of you. It's kind of like some people associate with certain like country, like certain uh, states. I don't want to say any specifically and offend people, but you know, certain states that they're just like, no, 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 I'm not from there. But you live there. I'm not actually there. I'm just kind of like, I'm just passing through. Haven't you been passing through for like 20 years? Yeah, but you know, like. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'm guilty of that one. Right, because we don't want we don't want to be single. We don't want to be married to anybody, but we don't want to be like we want to be married to the girl of our dreams. And sometimes, like that's just really frustrating when we don't have that happen. Would Would you be willing to share like your like a horrible dating story or something that's just really funny to you? Oh, I mean. <laughs> I'm trying to think of any horrible dating stories that I have. I I know that I'm a reason. I, I'm for sure other people's horrible dating stories. I have no doubt about that. When I came home from my mission, I was very, um, and I'm I, and I don't mean to do this, Joseph, because I know you're a same member of my faith, but I'm using church terminology. But yeah, Joseph and I both. I'm assuming. Uh, went on two-year missions for our church um and and you come home and you're weird you're on mute steve steve you're on mute steve still on mute (laughs) steve you're on mute (laughs) this is funny steve steve you're still on mute i can't hear you you're on mute. Oh. <laughs> You're on mute for like the last minute. Keep going. Okay. So you have to repeat. I, I, sorry. I was like, I wonder if you can hear me. I was like, I, I got a phone call. I should have muted it or, or hung it up. I think I never answer them assuming that if you never answer it, they'll just stop calling. But but if you hang up, they know you exist. I don't. The theory hasn't worked. Um. Anyways, uh, 
I'm for sure a, a weird dating story myself, because when I came home from my mission, you know, where you're gone for two years and you're not dating, I mean, you're, you kind of, your personality for as far as how to date turns into somebody of a weird person. Um, and I remember taking this girl on a date, but I've always been a, like kind of a weirdo. Like I would never do this now because here's the thing. Like now I get to get all my weird out when I'm on stage and I feel like that's this good, healthy outlet for me. But when I didn't have that as an outlet all the time, I think I would try to find things to do that I thought were funny that people were like, no, that's stupid. Why would you do that? I brought a whoopee cushion on a date. This is like pretty early after my mission. I remember bringing a whoopee cushion and thinking, you uh, have got the key to comedy, my friend. Who doesn't love a whoopee cushion? And I had inflated it and threw it under my date's chair right before she sat down. And so she sat down and <laughs> does the whoopee cushion sound. And I'm like, yeah, right? And she held, I remember her holding it up and being like, oh, a whoopee cushion. And I was like, yes, isn't that funny? And she was not into it. She was like, no, not. I was like, oh, okay. I think I still used it like two more times on the date before. I'm pretty sure she took it like a teacher. Like, like I was like in trouble. Like, I'm going to keep this until this horrific night is over. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I was immature enough that I was like, that's fair. That's, that seems like the right thing to do. You should take the whoopee cushion from us. Uh, I don't know. So I, I don't know that I've been on the other end of a bad date, but I know that I know that I've been the bad date because I would never do that now. Even though there is a glimmer of me thinking that still is kind of funny. Um, but I would never do it now just because it's like, no, it's, it's funny, but it's not funny enough. Like guys might think that's funny because I don't know what there is. But to me, there is a line for some reason why I think more guys think fart jokes are funny than girls. I don't know why that is, but it does seem to be more popular. I don't know. Probably. Anyways. Well, uh, yeah, so I've probably been the bad date several times. You know how when people go, why are you still single? Sometimes I go, I know why. <laughs> <laughs> did, did you get the whoopee cushion back after class? Yeah, yeah, I got it back. It eventually broke. All whoopee cushions eventually break. The glue that they use is never that good. And it eventually breaks. So I don't have that one anymore. And, and I don't even have a whoopee cushion anymore. What is wrong with me? But, I think we all, we've all got our variations of whoopee cushions that we use. Yeah, yeah. On, you can. on dates. You know, I was remembering there's an episode. Have you, did you ever watch the show, How I Met Your Mother? Sure. Yeah. So there's there's an episode where he goes on a date with this girl that he hasn't been that he's already been out with like seven years before, and so on the date they decide they're gonna oh we're gonna figure out like why we didn't call each other back, and so they're like well yeah I hated when you talked about your cats and I hated this and I hated when you tried to make those funny jokes that weren't funny, and then at the very end of the date he's <laughs> like 
he's like, I know why I didn't call you back. I love doing that. And then she's like, well, and I'm never going to stop talking about my cats. I mean, like, I think that the people that we, well, the person, (laughs) the person that we end up with is going to be our style. We're, we don't have to change for other people. No, granted, like, I mean, there's definitely stuff we can do, we've done on our missions or when we get home from a mission that are like, what, you did that? I mean, I've got, I've got my stories too of a girl said she wasn't going to go on a mission and I'm like, oh, well, this date's over. Like, literally, like, that was, that was what I pretty much said. And the irony is if she had gone on a mission, like, I wasn't going to wait for her. <laughs> So it was just, it was just like, it made no sense. But there's a, there's a Scottish mystic, his name's Sidney Banks. And he says, we're all doing the best we can, given our thinking at the time. In in your mind at that time, that was hysterical. And I can even see right now, you still think part of that's hysterical. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like everybody, it does not have to be everybody's flavor of ice cream. I mean, sometimes we see an ice cream flavor and we're like, what? You like that? And it's like, yeah, I do. What's, what's wrong if I like peanut butter ice cream with bubble gum and cookies and cream all mixed together? You know, like we've all got our own style. We've all got our own flavor. And I think part of our lives is just like part of happiness is just finding the path that is ours. I really do. I think in a very matter of fact way, each of us has our own path. I mean, how did you, how did you even get into being a comedian? Like what's, what's your story around that, man? I mean, yeah, like, uh, it, it wasn't the path that I had planned. Uh, cause I thought I went to school, um, and studied biology. I did the whole pre the, the pre-med route and thought that would be my uh, jam for sure. But I ended up going to uh, BYU-Hawaii, which is a smaller school. I mean, when I went there, it was 2,500 students. And um, uh, I felt kind of lonely because you go out to Hawaii and it's very far from family. Um, And, the first year I was there, I didn't have a cell phone. And I remember feeling like pretty separated from my family. I would do a call on Sundays, you know, and that would be my connection to home. And I felt like I needed to do something that made me feel like I was part of a community, um, like part of a, a family type community. And so I joined the men's choir, which is kind of weird because I, I hadn't sang before um but i had some friends in there and they were like come and these guys are great and you're gonna feel really connected and i did and the teacher was unbelievable uh her name was marilee webb um and she was just an amazing uh director who didn't just do choir productions she put on shows like when we had uh, a choir concert, it was a show and there was dancing and, and sometimes acting and all these things. And that 
instilled in me a desire to have a show. And I loved it. I fell in love with the idea of having a show. And meanwhile, you know, I'm studying biology and doing all this and, and like getting prepped for MCATs and all this stuff. And, and, uh, but having a show was what I was most excited about. Um, and it ended up being when I graduated, uh, something that I missed tremendously. So I went, I, I, uh, moved to Utah, um, and was working at a, a lab here in Utah and, uh, just kind of like, prepping and doing like some hours working in a medical setting kind of thing to sort of beef up my, my uh, application to med school. And um, was like, I need something else. And I decided to go and pursue uh, stand-up comedy. I was like, I'll, I'll just hit up an open mic and see what happens. And even doing just open mic, it, it got me hooked like right away and was like oh my gosh i love this i love the feeling of having a show i love the feeling of making people laugh and it wasn't like all at once i mean you still had to uh looking back i realized how much i did but because it was so fun to me i didn't realize it was like work but like from my first open mic i was at the comedy club every weekend for the next three years like that was what i did like every weekend and i was either performing or watching uh, i guess those are the only two things it feels like there should have been a three thing or eating french fries uh at the comedy club and i don't i didn't think about that as work or anything like that but for some reason now I look back and I was like, oh, you were getting your hours in, right? If you are a Malcolm Gladwell fan or whatever, you know, the 10,000 hour principle. And I was putting in my 10,000 hours. I was getting as much comedy infusion as possible into my brain. And um, now I can say that that's helped me out a lot. Even still, comedy, unfortunately, is one of those things that I don't think... <laughs> 10,000 hours is great. I don't know that uh, I kind of have the uh, attitude that it's like you need to actually just constantly be sharpening the saw kind of thing with, with the comedy. Um, I think we saw that with the pandemic where we weren't performing as much. And um, if you weren't doing Zoom shows, if you weren't doing whatever all the time, you were getting less funny. <laughs> And, uh, and so I don't know, some people, it, 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 I don't try to put too much pressure on myself because I, I know some people, when they hang out, they find out you're a comic and they're like, this happened to me yesterday. And some guy's like, yeah, he's this, I was at a chiropractor and the chiropractor goes, do you know who this is? And I'm like, no, he absolutely does not. He's like, he's a comic, Steve Solberg. And he goes, he's a comic. He hasn't told me one joke. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, and I'm not going to, uh, you know, so sometimes I think people are tremendously bummed out by that, but there's part of me that's like, how much of a drag would that be though? If everything I had to say was like, yuck, yucky, like, I was like, dude, come on, you don't want that much comedy in your life. Maybe you want, I don't know, maybe you want a lot, but 
I, I don't know. We had an FHE when, again, I'm using church ter terminology. Our, we had a family meeting, right? When I was a kid uh, and it was, the title of the family meeting was, not everything in life is a joke. And my parents, <laughs> they tried to create this, not everything in life is a joke. And it was the funniest family meeting we ever had. Like the fact that they were trying to get us to not joke about everything. But I could see now as I'm maybe an adult, I'm like, oh yeah, not everything in life is a joke. <laughs> but as a kid, everything in life was a joke. There was no reason in my mind to not have anything be silly. So I think it was a combination, right? The upbringing and then the, the college where learning to have a show um, just made me so excited about comedy and stuff like that. So. You know, I think some people get so caught up on the next proper step to take. And myself, you know, plenty of times definitely included in that. But it was interesting how you talked about how it was just this men's choir class. And then as a result of that, you're like, oh, I miss performing. And then you're just like, oh, let's go. Let's go see what these stand up guys are doing. And then three years later, you're like, wait, I've been here every single night. <laughs> like I've been here every single weekend performing. Yeah. And so many people would have thought that you were crazy to leave pre-med to go after comedy. But my guess is well, that you're probably <laughs> a lot happier. No, go ahead. What were you to say? <laughs> I'm like, well, that I still might be crazy to have done that, but you know, whatever. <laughs> Still might have been a dumb move, but I, yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy in the pursuit that I've taken. It did take me a long time to justify it because the reason I wanted to do medicine was because of a deep desire to, um, to affect positive change. Like for me, the ultimate dream would have been to become a doctor and then move to Africa and do the doctors across borders type of thing. And and uh, and that was like my ultimate uh, thing. It was like, I just want to try to make people's lives better whose lives are um, like, if they didn't have medical supply, I wanted to be able to supply that and fill a need. And I think it took me a long time to justify in my mind that it's like, there's lots of needs and it's, not just people in Africa who have needs. Everybody in the world has lots of needs. And there's a huge, huge need for people to be able to laugh. And, and right now also there's a huge, huge need for people to be able to laugh at clean humor. Because um, I, I, you know, I invite people to stand up comedy shows when I'm doing the show. And I have a lot of people who go, oh, uh, I'm not, yeah, I can't go to a comedy club. They don't feel comfortable. And, uh, and I understand that my first time going to a comedy club was the first time I did open mic. I had not been to one before and I get that they go, ah, it's not a clean place. Ah, that's not true. Uh, there's plenty of comics out there who want to perform, uh, clean comedy for you. Um, and, uh, I know there's the feeling that they're not that many. There's more than you think. It's like when people start going, oh, music today is blah, 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 X, Y, Z. I only listen to this type of music. No, you've shut yourself off to uh, hundreds of thousands of artists who are desperate to get your attention, 
but they're not getting your attention because you know whatever there's there's so many other people vying for your attention so loud that they're distracting you from the actual ones that maybe you really would connect with um and comedy same way uh there's plenty of artists out there who are producing the content that i think would you would really enjoy but you really have to kind of dig and search for them a little bit but again that's on me as well i think as a, a a producer, I could do a lot better in as far as promoting, pr promoting and producing and anything else that begins with a P. Uh, those P words, they're hard to do when it's not your training and background. I'm finding out more about the production and and promoting yourself might actually be more important than uh, than doing stand up itself. That sounds really silly, but the people who are more popular, they're, they're pretty good at all the P words well, and, and you feel like, you know, them, and then you're going to laugh harder because it's like, this is my friend who's telling me jokes. You know? And I think also they own their space. It's like, I think of Jerry Seinfeld, for example, he owned his space of being this very, like, I don't even know the proper word at like, he was this like upper scale comedian. Like, you know, he, I, I can't, I can't explain exactly what I mean, but I think you know what I mean. Like he has his very own type of comedy and he's owned that. And, mm. and he just showed up and he acted as if that was going to be his place. And it's interesting because. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Like the more I look, the more I understand about life. First of all, it's just hilarious how our paths work out. Like it is so funny. And I think for the record, like it takes so much more skill to be a clean comedian than it does to not. Because if, if a guy starts bombing, all he does is starts telling, talking about sex and talking about other things on stage and saying the F word about a zillion times. Like that's, you know, that, that's their way of saving themselves. But I think it doesn't. I think the world, you talked about the Doctors Without Borders. Like a doctor helps one person at a time. A comedian can help millions of people at a time. And, and it's interesting because we can get so caught up and pigeonholed to know this is what I'm supposed to do. You know, for years, I thought I was supposed to be a seminary teacher because my dad, he was a seminary teacher. And for some reason, I got that in my head. And like, so when I got to BYU 10 years ago, I took a class and God specifically said, Joseph, you can, you can take the class. This isn't your path. And then when everything was not going right in my life years ago, um, I went down a pretty large rabbit hole that I once again thought that I had to do that. And it, it was like, it, it took, it took a very incredible experience for God once again to say, Joseph, if you didn't get it the first time, I'm telling you again, not your path. And I'm like, no, but this is so noble. And this is, this is everything. And then about that time, I had a, a bishop. Um, a bishop is a religious leader for those of you listening. And he just sat me down. And I, I kind of briefly told him, I was like, Joseph, like, I thought I was going to be a seminary teacher too. And then my, my father-in-law told me, he's like, there's a lot of ways to build the kingdom of God. And it's interesting because we get so in our head about what it is we think we have to do. Whereas God already knows what he wants us to do. 
I mean, we need like, I mean, my path was, my path was, you know, essentially to be this big consultant or big, like Tony Robbins or something like that. Mm. And it's interesting because I love the path I'm on now so much more, you know, and, and ironically it's, I look at our paths and, and maybe you could speak to this if, cause I'm kind of curious. I have found that our life mission kind of follows us like a stray dog that we tell to go away. It's like, no, go away. I've got to figure out what important thing I'm supposed to be doing with my life. Go away. And there's even a song in a, you know, a church musical called star child. that's called says, what is my mission in life? And I would sing that at the top of my lungs. And the entire time the stray dog was just following me around. And it's like, I'd have all these moments, these brief moments. And what I just knew, like, I just knew that I was supposed to be a coach. I mean, ever since I was like 18 years old, I knew this is what I was supposed to do. And it's like, wait a minute, I'm only 23. I'm too young to do this. Like when I was finished professionally training as a coach, I was 23 years old. I'm like, okay, well, let's go get a traditional education because that's what everyone else is doing. You know, went and wasted a bunch of years up at BYU and go Cougars. (laughs) I'm, I'm proud to say I'm a Cougar, but, you know, didn't love most of that experience. So, but it, but it is, it's God saying like, Hey, just listen to me. Those tiny little promptings, those little nudgings, when you just listen, like of how they guide and lead your life. Like, you know, one of the other things coming up for me is I'm curious, like for you personally, now, if you don't mind me asking, how, how old are you, Steve? I'm 40. You're 40. Okay. So yeah, yeah. So you're 40, I'm 36. We're both fairly old for being members of the church and being single. Yeah, yeah. For you personally, because there's quite a few people that are listening to this that are older. Like, what has been the hardest thing for you about being single? And what has helped you through that? Um... That's a good question, because there are times where it's super hard. And then there are times where it's not. Um, Because I think loneliness is probably one of the most difficult emotions that people can experience. Like feeling outside of a group, like for some reason, can hurt a lot. And I think it hurts. in a weird way because there's this feeling like like there's been a death i know that sounds extreme but it's like a death but you can't pin it to one person it's just a death of mourning for a life that you don't have um or mourning for uh you know, missing even, even maybe somebody that you thought it was, maybe it's the heartbreak or heartache. And I think that heartbreak, heartache, loneliness is one of the hardest emotions, if not the hardest emotion that we can experience as a human. Um, And I think like during those times, you, at least for me, I've certainly reached out to uh, God a lot more during those times and been able to find comfort there. And it's funny because it takes you back to some of the most simple things. There's, 
a talk by Ezra Taft Benson, who was a president, uh, a prophet of uh, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And he gave a speech one time to the kids at BYU, and it was called, What is True Greatness? And he says, true greatness is wrapped up in doing the simple things of life. And it's funny because there's so many things that get misattributed as greatness when it's like, no, greatness is like usually something that doesn't get celebrated. There's a quote that you see often um, that it's a great quote, but it gets misattributed in its meaning um, where it says, uh, oh, sheesh. Am I going to misquote it? I am going to misquote it because I can't remember it exactly. But the effect is, is that like well-behaved women rarely make history or something like that, or quiet women rarely make history. Um, and the concept is that you need to be loud, ostentatious, and really a disruptor of things. Now, this isn't to speak down to disruptors, because I actually totally agree with the idea of disrupting the status quo. But the, the, the concept that the only way to make history is to be loud, ostentatious, et cetera, and so forth, is, is incorrect. Uh, what, there's, what that quote was saying was that the truly great things in life rarely get the amazing lauding and honors that they truly do deserve but it rarely makes history um i was reading about this just the other day so that's why it's a little bit scatterbrained because i'm like i'm trying to remember the name of the lady who said it um because i was reading about her because um you know she, she was actually one of the first like feminists movement people but people sort of took some of her quotes and misattributed them to be like yeah be in people's faces and like stuff like that and she was like sure do whatever you got to do but the real great things that you're going to do nobody's going to care about like and that's Ezra Tepp Benson's talk was that what is true greatness and basically the talk says look True greatness isn't what you think it is. And it's not going to be like on the front of the magazines. Look at this great thing this person did. Uh, no, the true greatness is going to be in that quiet moment where just you and your own heart um, say that you're thankful for things, um, come to uh, like, a way to truly love everybody, like feeling that type of love, feeling that love that God has for everybody. No one's going to throw a parade for that, but that is going to be this type of stuff that's going to get you through the hardest stuff in life. Um, not to discount parades. Parades are great. Love parades. Free candy. Yeah. Uh, but that's 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 just where i felt like whenever i felt that super lonely heartache heartbreak stuff that's like life 
like everything in life stops when that when you're going through that and the the true stuff that gets me through that is being grateful saying prayers of thankfulness and being able to like just go out and take a walk and be happy and breathe um nobody really cares about that stuff but for me that's the stuff that has truly been able to make me feel happiest and make me get out of any difficult dark spots that i'm in yeah long right. answer no it's good dude i love i love long answers I, <laughs> you know as, as far as what you were saying about <clears throat> benson it's interesting because especially in especially in the comedy world you know people talk about so i've i've read have you read chris farley's biography Oh, I haven't. I, I've read excerpts from it, but I've never read the whole thing. It's a really good book, man. I, I really enjoy yeah. it. And it was interesting because here this man had everything that everybody could ever say they wanted. You know, he had, he had women, he had alcohol, he had drugs on demand, he had everything you could ever want, and it killed him. So it's interesting you said that about how, you know, true greatness, like everybody thinks they want all of this stuff. And there's nothing wrong with the stuff. There's nothing wrong with the houses. There's nothing wrong with the cars. There's nothing wrong with some of those things. I think God wants us to live an abundant life. It's like it talks about in the Bible. It says that the Savior came, that they would have life and that they would have it more abundantly. I think that's John 10, 16, if I remember right. It, it's in John 10, but like it's, it's somewhere around there. But that's, that's what he did. And so we get in this balance of like, you know, thinking we have to have all these things to be happy. Like, you know, I'm single still now, but four years ago when I was single, I was miserable. I was just so frustrated because I thought I had to be married. And then I realized it was simply the thought that I had to be married in order to be happy that was keeping me miserable. And I love how you I love how you even talked about how it's almost like mourning. It's mourning the things that we don't have. You know, especially being you know, active members of our faith. There's certain things that you're not not able to do when without being married. And and even more so, like just having a partner, having a cheerleader, having having somebody that believes in you. Ironically, the podcast I just released two days ago was like. How can you, how, how can I be alone and not feel lonely, essentially, is somewhat of the title. But, and, and it was about that, like, it's about purpose. It's about focus on what we want. Like, if we were going to be single for the rest of our lives, it's like, let's live from that space. And then when a girl comes along that we're like, I'd be crazy not to, not to marry her. Then we do that. Like. And it's, and it's totally okay for each of us to mourn those experiences. I think sometimes we pretend like we have to be these superhuman singles. And it's like, no, when we take risk as singles and it does not go well, there's times we say things we probably shouldn't and we get really frustrated and upset because we're spiritual beings having a human experience. 
and God doesn't smite us. I mean, every time I go to God, think he's, he's going to be like upset. I'm like, I'm so sorry about this thing that I did that really wasn't that bad, but I'm really, really sorry. He's like, chill, relax. Don't freak out. <laughs> like that's, that's usually, I think more than anything, God just tells us like, you're okay. And he knows our path. He knows our absolute path of where we've been, where we're going, and everything on the way. Like, I kind of liken single life to being on the ride, Splash Mountain, for example. There's nothing you can do to make Splash Mountain go faster than 10 minutes. Like, it, it takes five to 10 minutes, whatever the number is. That's how long it takes. You can beat on the little tiny log and say, come on, go faster. You can jump out in the water. You can even beat, uh, the, you can even beat the crap out of the animatronics. But it's not going to make you get it there any faster. We just have to be on the ride and we have to enjoy it. Understanding and knowing that we didn't get the, we didn't get the cookie cutter lifestyle of the kids and the families and all that, all that stuff. Ironically, we, we praise that a lot too much anyways, because those people, plenty of them are very miserable also. <laughs> you know, they're like, please take away my kids. Please just give me a moment of peace. You know, and so we make everything up in our heads. And that's what I've really realized in, in life is that we live in a thought created reality and we act as, as if it's our actual reality. We can't change many of our circumstances like that. I can't force somebody to marry me. You can't force somebody to marry you. I mean, maybe you can, like you're a comedian. So, you know, maybe girls are like lining up, be like, Steve, please, I'll do anything. <laughs> no, that's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> like, but we do. We live in this thought created yeah, not a problem. And it's just okay. Like the more we live, you're on mute again. The, the more we live in our lives and just live from that space and stop murmuring, stop being like, stop complaining and yelling and screaming about how we're single, the happier our lives are going to be. Like what, what has been the most helpful thing for you to as a single that's helped that's helped you on the way the most helpful thing um uh gosh planning i guess it sounds kind of goofy but uh having something to look forward to i think is critical so so when you are able to plan and have like things on your calendar that you're looking forward to, um, that seems to help you get through hard stuff a lot. Um, and so, like, and, and so even if your calendar has nothing, then put something on it, make something. And, and even if it's simple, if it's like, well, on Saturday, I'm gonna go on this hike or whatever, you know? planning and i know a lot of singles that do this where they they've struggled with you know loneliness or whatever so then they become the planner 
Uh, I've not, I don't know that I've ever become the planner. We all know that person. There's some people who are amazing planners. And uh, sometimes it's just a case of linking up with that person and finding them because planners, they love to have somebody to invite things to. And, uh, and so just get yourself on their list. If it's hard to get on their list, Find somebody who's easy to get on their list <laughs> because there is, I, I get it. There's some people who it's tough to get invited to certain things that you're like, oh, I guess I'm not their crowd or whatever. It's fine, whatever. There, you, you'll find somebody who is more than happy to have you go on their hikes, go on their, uh, go to the movies, go to their dinner group. If you're having struggles finding that person, be that person. Uh, but yeah, planning, I think, has been uh, a big thing. Uh, having something to look forward to. I don't know if it's true, but I had somebody say that to me one, one time. They said, you, when you die is when you stop making plans. I was like, oh, wow, it's dark. But, uh, but, at, but at the same time, I was like, it's kind of true, isn't it? Like, if you stop making plans, what, what are you doing, right? No, I love that. Kind of stop living. I love, I love that advice, and very well said. Like, and I love that quote you just said of like, when we stop planning, we die essentially. Because there's, there's some truth to that. I think for so long we live, like I was talking about before, we live in this almost holding pattern because it's like, it's like we're from you know a certain a certain state that people don't want to be from, and it's like, ah, oh, I just don't want to be here. It's like you are here. You might as well plan as if you're going to be here for a long time. And then when you get your, when you get your get out of jail free card and the woman of her dreams comes along the way. Awesome. I love, I love that. Oh, I wanted to ask you one, at least one more thing. Like there's so many people that don't feel like they're on the right path and they don't feel like they know how to get on the right path. They feel like they have to know of how to get, like, do the right thing. Or they feel, especially in our faith, there's so many people that just feel, oh, God told me so. And so I can't ever do anything different with my life. And plenty mm -hmm. of times, it's actually not the voice of God. I found more often than not, and plenty of times, that the adversary actually tries to pretend to be the voice of God. Because that's the only way quite a few people will listen. And so I think there's so many people that just get caught up in this, like, what's the right thing to do and not knowing what they want to do with the rest of their lives. What, what would you say to them? Um, I mean, to a degree, I think all of us absolutely feel like we are. Like there's times when it's like, when I'm thinking about myself as a comedian, which is the profession that I've chosen and I've been doing as my job for at least six years now, um, I still doubt myself all the time where I'm like, am I a comedian? Am I doing this? It's like, well, you've made your living off of it for six years, but I still am like, yeah, but maybe I got lucky. Maybe it's, maybe I'm pretty lucky though. And I think we oftentimes fall into this sort of imposter syndrome type thing where it's like, not everybody. And some people are just crazy confident. 
Um, but I imagine there's a lot of people who are like me that doubt themselves uh, every 10 minutes. And um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know that, I don't think that's right. I think that I shouldn't do that. Um, and I'm working on it. Um, but uh, I don't give myself too hard a, a time for thinking it either. Um, I'm like, like, yeah, whatever. I thought that maybe I wasn't the best comedian in the world. Who cares? Or, or that, you know, all those little imposter syndrome thoughts where you get worried that you're not on the right uh, path or doing the right thing. Uh, I, I don't know that there is just one path. Like I don't, I think I would have actually been fine if I had chosen to do medicine. You know, if I had chosen that path and done something else, it's like that would have been fine too. Um, and I think I probably would have been happy there too. Uh, but I just don't think there's just one path that you can do it. I don't know. It, it's hard because I feel like there are some things where I do feel like that's the way you got to do it. <laughs> you know, like I can't, I, I hope that makes sense, but it's not like, I still have to obey the laws of gravity. Right. I'm not like, there's certain things that, I'm not going to get around, but I can go fly in a plane, you know, so I could fly for a living, but I can't just like flex the right muscle and fly, you know. Um, I hope this is making any ounce of sense at all. I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling again, but, but uh, to feel like you're on the right path, I don't know if you ever, I haven't always felt like, this is absolutely the right path. The only way that I can feel that I'm on the right path is just like that I'm trying and that I'm doing my best. That those principles make me feel like I'm always on the right path. But does that, do those principles apply to many different paths? Absolutely. So it's like, as long as I'm in those principles, then I feel like I'm doing the right path. But, uh, but yeah, there's lots of paths. I don't know. I just said the same thing twice. <laughs> no, it, but, yeah. it reminds me of that Vincent Van Gogh quote that says, if there's a voice inside you that says you're not a painter, paint, and that voice will be silenced. And mm. so when we're on our path, it's really hard for us to say, you're not a comedian. You're not a comedian. When you're on stage, you're like, bro, I'm right here. I'm on stage. <laughs> you know, it's I'm I'm literally in the act of you know comedian. <laughs> That's not right. You know, like and so when we are, when we're in that act, when we're in the flow, it's a lot harder for that voice to talk to us. And the thing that I've realized is we do. We have this inner voice and this crazy leprechaun voice. The inner voice gives us absolute certainty, absolute peace. And there's even a scripture that says. Doubt not, fear not, look unto Christ in all, in all thoughts. And what I take from that is God doesn't speak to us through doubt. God doesn't speak to us through fear. His, his orders are very direct or it's given very peacefully and gently. 
that that's really been my experience, you know, and hmm. I love that. And I love cool. Van Gogh. That's great. Yeah, that's a I, I love that quote too, man. Of just like all we have to all we have to do is act. It's like I was talking to somebody today that we've had some really good conversations with, and and they're like, Joseph, like we just have to wait and we have to wait until you know the voice speaks to us all the time. And we were able to understand through our conversation. It was like, well when we first started working on this other project, like you weren't even looking in that direction. You were there for a whole different thing. Kind of like you with, kind of like you with choir, right? You're just there with choir looking for a group. And all of a sudden you're like, man, I missed that show. So we don't have to worry always about doing the right next thing. And I've even had experiences where I started, you know, working on something and it's like, no, you need to do this instead. You know, there's a great, I don't know if it's a quote, but it's a pretty common saying that it's a lot easier to just shift a train from the tracks than to get a train moving. I mean, if you've ever tried to get a train moving, I haven't, but I can imagine. Probably going to take a lot to push that entire thing, but a train that's moving, simply pulling that little lever and shifting it to the next track, that doesn't take much, much effort at all. Now, I think sometimes it works like that too. Well, I feel like we're coming to, you know, the end of this. Would any other things that you want to share that you feel would be helpful? Oh gosh. Uh I the probably one of the most important things is that you recognize that you're of value no matter what. Uh nothing that you say or do or think or act changes your value you're of infinite worth right now. And um, I, I try to remind myself of that as often as possible. Because uh, yeah, whether I have a good show, bad show, doesn't make me a better or less good person um, or worse person or whatever. Like, it's like, it doesn't matter. If the crowd loved the show, I'm not better. If the crowd hated the show, I'm not worse. Uh, nothing changes your infinite worth, and uh, and it is great. You're worth more than uh, than you can ever imagine. So, um, know that and use that knowledge to to help buoy up. So, yeah, that's important. I think. I love that, Steve. I, I think especially today. And that's one of the most profound messages that people can get. Like they have that infinite worth. They have that, like they are perfect just the way they are. And so many people are searching for things to try to make them better, change them. Ironically, the times that I feel the best are the times that my mind just kind of quiets down. And I remember exactly what you said of just, we have that, that infinite worth. Well, you know, thank you so much, Steve, for, for joining me today. This, is, this has been a lot of fun, man. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah. You want to go ahead and share with people how to, how to connect with you? Yeah, for sure. Sure. Uh, I use my name for everything. So if you're uh, on Facebook or Instagram or whatever, just Steve Solberg. Uh, Twitter, same thing. Um, 
just at Steve Solberg, which is S-T-E-V-E and then S-O-E-L-B-E-R-G. And uh, you'll find me on whatever platform you use, YouTube, uh, TikTok. I've, I have somebody else who does help me out on TikTok because I didn't, I didn't understand it at first. I think I'm going to start using it more now, though, because now I, I get it. So, yeah, <laughs> I get it. You can watch dog videos like endlessly. So, of course, I do it. Yeah. Well, yeah, guys, go ahead and connect with Steve over there. And like I said, I, his album's also on, uh, I saw it on Spotify. He's on Dry Bar yeah. Comedy as well. That, yeah. You guys can look, look up that. And do you have a promo code already? You know, I don't have it yet. We're filming some stuff right now that, that they're going to be having a streaming service soon. And uh, and I'm assuming by the time this this comes out, maybe that streaming service will be uh, out. If it's not, and I prematurely just announced it, ignore what you just heard. <laughs> no, I, don't, I, I don't think they'll care. But yeah, they're having a, and so I'll have a promo code uh, that'll give you a discount when you sign up for that. And so uh, I'll I'll probably share that on my social media as well. Okay, so. so. So go to social media. You can find out about the uh, the, the promo code there. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, man, thank thank you so much for for joining us. Now, if you've made it to this point in the podcast, I'd like to invite you to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast. I don't know how you got here, but that way, if you ever want to get back here again, it's right there for you in your subscriptions. And if you haven't already joined us. One of the really cool things that I do that's free for anyone that would like to participate is each Monday morning at 10 a.m. Arizona time, I host a group coaching call for Happy and Single. Anyone is welcome to come on, and you can even receive a little bit of one-on-one coaching time with me, depending on how many people are in the call. Now, every now and then that schedule changes, so you can go to the website Happy nsingle.com to be able to look at the schedule and also to be able to find the link to the Zoom room. Now at the same time, if you would prefer a more one-on-one type of coaching experience where you can sit down and share your hopes and dreams and, and just kind of the stuff going on in your world, Then there's another option available for you as well. Now, the bulk of my business is actually doing one-on-one coaching. If that's something you're interested in exploring, I've got a few spots open in my coaching practice. You can just message me on Instagram at the It's Possible Guy, and we can sit down and have a chat. And it doesn't matter where you're at in the world. I've worked with people across the world. I do everything over Zoom, so it actually makes it pretty easy. Thank you guys so much again for listening. And go out and live your adventure. Thank you.